You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 169, sponsored by Afro Samurai from Funimation, In Stock Trades, and Iverse Media. Step inside, walk this way, you and me, babe. Living like a lover with a red-eye phone Looking like a tramp, like a video bam Demolition one, can I be your man? Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 169 My name is Connor, I'm here with Josh Oh And Ron Hello I mixed it up there You did At iFanboy.com, we like comics, we read comics And every week we read all of our comics one of us picks the best one they read that week. They write about the website. That's the pick of the week. We come here to talk about it as well as the other books of the week and other topics of interest. And before we get to the show, we'd like to warn everybody that this is a review show, so there'll be spoilers. We're going to talk about the books we read. So if you haven't read your books yet, pause the show and come back. And if you're going to New York Comic Con this weekend, this upcoming weekend, stay tuned. At the end, there's going to be an announcement about our iFanboy party and festivities and such. You don't want to miss that. So make sure you hang around to the end for that. This week, Joshua A. Flanagan at the pick know, of the week. Do you know what the A stands for? Aaron. Asshole. No. <laughs> it's like he wants me to walk off. Archibald. Archibald. Mm. Aaron. Aaron. He just said Aaron. <laughs> Is it Aaron? Is it Aaron? It's Aaron. I think it's Aaron. It's Arthur. I wish. <laughs> and everyone would call me Art. And it's Aloysius. I, but I grew up in Maine, so it would be Art. <laughs> hey, we going to talk about comics? or What is it? I might. It's Adam. It's not oh, right. It's not a big deal. It should be Aaron. You made it a big deal. <laughs> I'm just seeing how well you knew me. All I know is that Connor's middle name is S. Who are you again? I had a big old, big old heaping stack of comics this week, which in comparison, like the last three weeks, were these little tiny piddling sprinkles of comics. Not really very much, so it was it was daunting. And and I gotta say, I was like probably two thirds through everything that I was reading, and I'm like, I, I haven't really liked any of these. You know what I mean? Like, I, for whatever reason, I'd stack them up so that the stuff near the end was the best stuff. The first in the beginning, I was I was getting a little worried. So I opened up my copy of Battlefield's Dear Billy number one, or part one of three. It's not, they're not really numbered the same way. And just last week was the conclusion of the last Battlefield's mini from Dynamite Comics, which are Garth Ennis's war comics, just a little short story series. Was and, it last week or the week before? Well, it was, it was only a week or two ago. Either way, it was, it was, a, it was a quick turnaround time. And right away, like, I, I saw that, I'm going to get this name right, Peter Snezberg, Snezberg, it's hard, <laughs> was the artist on this. And I was very excited about that because I came to like his work a whole hell of a lot during Starman. He was the guy who came on um, the second half after Tony Harris decided he didn't want to do the book anymore. And you may have also seen him. He did a couple of, he, I think he did one of the Preacher minis. In fact, I think it was the, like, the Hair Star mini, like his Hair Star origin from Preacher. So he's worked with Ennis before and on other stuff, I think. So I was very happy about that. And right away, within... A page, maybe two or three pages. Like I was like, this is some fine comic booking, and it, it just it kept up the whole way through. And I, I don't even know if like it just made such a strong impression on me so soon that I was very able to enjoy the rest of it. But basically, what we have here is is a story that takes place in the Pacific, and it's actually not the Americans; it's the British and the Japanese. As sort of the Japanese soldiers are, are rampaging through the Pacific and taking over different places, they come across an aid station full of British nurses. And at the beginning, they basically, well, they, they rape all the nurses. That has already happened. And then they, they gun them all down. This is the first thing you see. And this one woman survives. And so you see her get rescued miraculously and then becomes a nurse at the place after she's all healed up and meets an, another guy who's been Billy, who has been uh, severely wounded. And they start up a, a romance, basically. And it's funny because no, it's not funny at all. <laughs> um, but, but the beginning of it is so harsh and so I'm trying not to say the words in your face because that's a really lame way to describe it. But it's so stark. And then it turns into what is this really sweet, charming romance after that. And a lot of that has to do with the way that the characters are written. And then a lot of it has to do with also literally just the way that the faces on them are drawn. Like he drew like this certain smirk on Billy's face the whole time that makes you want to hang out with him and be friends with him. And it's just it's a really sweet little story. And more gets revealed. They're not telling each other anything about what actually happened to them because they don't want to they don't want to bring that into the relationship because for both of them, it's the good thing in their lives. It's the thing that's not horrible and bloody and tainted by war and all that. And the whole story is basically the woman. I actually don't know her name. Do you remember Connor? Nah, oh. no. Well, whatever. It's her writing a letter to him, basically, where she's telling him everything about what actually happened to him, which 
to me is making me think I'm like, oh, this guy's dead. Like not yet, but maybe at some point later. But I don't know that yet. Her name is Carrie. Yeah, where she's admitting everything about what happened, and and she admits that she overheard what happened to him because he didn't want to tell her what happened. It's just this really like love in the time of war story that just exceptionally well done. I think this is just fantastic comics. It was mostly people talking, but the the characters are very interesting and they have backstories. And I loved every page of this. I, I thought it was fantastic. Easily the best thing that I read this week. Yeah, I read this second or third, and after I finished it, it kind of made every other comic irrelevant. Yeah. It really diminished every other book this week. It was on another level, not just in the craft, but sort of what I had to say about war and life. And it really stuck with me all night. I was thinking about it even when I was laying in bed trying to sleep. Because it, it brings up a lot of issues about humanity and, and how awful we are as people or, or in general or how awful you know, war is and what war does to people and what, what it is about the Japanese society that makes them so barbaric in war. Like it just it brings up a lot of issues to, to think about. Honestly, just every other book this week suffer from coming after it for me. Absolutely. You, you know, what's interesting is that you know, Garth Ennis is known you – know, he does a lot of war comics and, and not a lot of people read his war comics. They're all pretty good. But – he gets shoehorned into, oh, he's just doing war comics. He just did a war story in the last one. He just did this one. They're all completely different. And, you know, to say that all war comics are the same is a misnomer because, you know, the Night Witches series, which just wrapped up, was a completely different thing than, than you know, you said that who'd ever thought of the female Russian pilots on the Eastern Front? I never had. And then so in this one, you're taking you to a diff- completely different part. It's still World War II. It's still 1940s. But it's, you know, it's just a completely different world that's going on on this side of the spectrum. And he just knows how to mine all those different things in it. The same way that, you know, when he did Vietnam stories, you know, in Preacher, that was a completely different thing on it. And Ennis is so good at creating characters who all exist in this giant world, but their point of views and everything are just completely different. And I think that's just what one of the things that impressed me was this was still a war comic, but it was still 180 degrees from the war comic that I read from him earlier this month. Well, you made a really good point in your review that people think of World War II, they think of the European front, and they think of you know Belgium and France and Germany. That tends to be the romanticized version of it, even though that was awful too, but mm-hmm. it's still something we, thought, we don't often think about the Pacific, or it's not talked about quite as bit. I, I, yeah, I think that the, the you know to this day... Nazi, you know, oh, you're a Nazi. That's the the epitome of bad. It's a Nazi. Everything, I think, from a storytelling standpoint, world, you know, the European front was so much more clear cut about what you know what it was. And if you've read a lot about this stuff, you know that like the German soldiers and the American soldiers, while fighting each other, still were able to relate to one another in a way. They were just young boys thrown into this thing, and you know, if the guns weren't there and the animosities weren't there, they would be able to find common ground. There, you know, a lot of poor guys from farms, things like that. But the Japanese fighters and, you know, the, the more Western fighters, they didn't come together in that same way. And I think that that's what makes this that part of the war so much more scary. It just wasn't as clear cut. It's not as romantic, I suppose. But that's, you know, only 60 years of hindsight. Yeah, it was definitely thought provoking. It was really on a higher level than most other books that I've read in a while. And it wasn't so much because he directly explores the issues. It's just the things that you take in from the, from the scenery and what happens. And you just, you know, it makes you think. I literally was up all night thinking about this book. Mm-hmm. And it was that powerful. And, you know, one of, the, one of the other things that people brought up about it a lot was you either like or you don't like this style of art with this style of story, I, I think. It. I love the art. I, I love his art. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. And I think that and this is one of my, my ideas about how comics work when they don't. If you take somebody who's got a very evocative cartoony style and you pair that against something that's very realistic, it works better for me because those characters can be so much more evocative than if you're going for so much like photorealism or, you know – really specified rendered style like you can really let them you know be evocative with their feelings and everything and i and i I love that see i don't think his art's cartoony at all i think it's very realistic i think it's i I don't don't find it to be cartoony in the least well i suppose by cartoony i just mean if you think about in the in the scott mcleod sense of there's less lines he's doing more with very little it's a pared down thing and the art's very naturalistic but it doesn't look like a photo he's not trying to make it look necessarily realistic Right, but it's not like there's nothing exaggerated. There's no. It's, okay. it's, it's not like it's Darwin Cook or you know Bruce Tim. It's very realistic, I think, and I think it worked perfectly. I mean, the last panel is, is a just shocking. The acting is amazing. If you look at her face on that last page, it's all right there. There's no words on it, and it's just it, it's it's beautiful in that way. I mean, I suppose that what I mean is just there's a simplicity of line here, and I tend to equate that with cartooniness. It's actually very very similar to me now that I'm thinking about it than as like a Dave Mazzucchelli style. Yeah, you know, Batman Year One, that kind of thing. It's it's in that, and it's just so clean and and so perfect. It was easily my pick of the week, and it sounds like yours too. 
Oh, uh, no, absolutely. It was definitely Ron actually loved it so much he couldn't even think of anything to say. I'm speechless, totally. I know, exactly. <laughs> no, it was funny. I, I came, home from the st- came home from the store and I checked the site to see what the pick of the week was and I just went, huh? Like, I didn't even know it came out, so I'm sorry. Like, it's just not on my radar at all. <laughs> so it's okay, That's though. Shame. I'm glad you liked it. That's good. <clears throat> I'm glad people are checking it out. I'm glad that the exposure of the first one led people to this one. These are books that need to be read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's funny because going on to our next book, The Elephant in the Room. Final Crisis number seven. I was kind of muted in my reaction to it. Like, I didn't really care because, again, because Battlefield was so powerful and it rocked me so emotionally that all the other books was kind of like whatever. Pair that with just the increasingly screeching online discussion about Final Crisis that's just it made, turned me off to the entire d- discussion of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by, the time, by the time I got to this issue, I was just kind of like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about the whole rigmarole around it and. It's just all annoyed at this point about everything. Yeah, well, there's a lot to be annoyed about. <laughs> well, nothing, and it has, it has nothing to do with the book at all. It's just the whole, the whole atmosphere around the book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, well, separating well, yourself from the atmosphere of the book, what, Connor, as the DC guy, what did you? What, now that it's all done, said and done, did, did did it deliver? I think this issue was easily the weakest. I, didn't, I don't think it was bad. I gave it three stars. I think you can definitely see the rumored rewrites from this issue, where after the Dio made Grant Morrison rewrite the issue. Yeah, it was definitely heavy-handed and muddled in that sense. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here, but something about it was off. The art was rushed. It was just like you could tell that it was kind of like we want to get this over with. Yeah, it was what it was. I have to read the whole miniseries over to really get a good sense of it for our, when we do the other show on it. This issue was okay. That's yeah. my thought. Personally, for me, yeah. it just it just absolutely made no sense whatsoever. I mean, then I agree with you that there were a couple of moments that were good, and the, there were a couple of scenes that okay made sense that I could follow that. But it just that the, the whole idea that you could read issue one through seven of the series and get the story is just I, I believe is is false because there was it felt as if there, again like the last issue there were references to things that I didn't know about. And just the the storytelling itself was just all. I mean, like the, the narrator changed like four times throughout the book, you know. And so, like w- one moment it's Lois, the other moment it's this monitor guy, the other, you know, like and and it just it appeared to me to be very disjointed. And I don't know if that's an effect of the rewrites or the rushness or whatever, but it didn't flow naturally for me. Disjointed you know? is the is the storytelling style he chose for this miniseries. Yeah, no, that's, right. He yeah. said that many times. He yeah. he's written it like you're changing the channels and you're getting the hi- highlights of different scenes. Right. That was his decision. I sat down with this. I made an effort. I wanted to take my time. Like other ones, I sort of rushed through them because I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to keep going until I find a place where I do and try to grab onto that. Whereas this time, I was like, all right, it's the end of it. I'm going to try to appreciate what happens and, and spend some time reading it. And it took me – I spent a long time reading this. It was, it was, And it was quite a bit of effort. I remember sort of stopping in the middle and being like, okay, here we go. You know, let's go back. <laughs> like literally – and, I'm, and, and I, I, really, I got to the end and I, I really was like, I, I don't know what that was. I don't yeah. know – what happened i don't and and i am gonna go i'm gonna read all seven of them again in a row this is no surprise we're gonna do a show about this whole thing you know and i'm gonna try to make sense of it the same way that i you know i did for the secret invasion show i went back again but as a single experience i can't say i enjoyed this yeah i I mean i I mean the thing is is that like throughout the whole issue you can see that he you know he's pulling in like everything from dc of all time which i which the, you know the the continuity nerd in me or the historical nerd in me likes you know the fact that Captain Carrot was in it and things like that you know like like ev- everything was fair game for him but it just didn't just doing that wasn't enough for me like it just didn't you know like like we talked about like the, the flashes you know like you know I see how the the flash story resolved and how it played in the whole dark side thing I don't feel the magnitude of Barry coming back. No, that's definitely one yeah. of the biggest problems with it. Yeah, exactly. And like, and and it, that that Flash story didn't deliver the Superman stuff. Seeing all the very Superman of of, of the of the uh, of the what call it of the multiverse. multiverse was cool to see, but it didn't have the same impact that you would think it would if someone was telling me about it. You know what I mean? Like, and then it all the a- Supermen are there, and I was just like, oh, they're the Supermen. You it know, was. Like- a- a lot of cool stuff and cool ideas. You know, I, I always bring this back to my, you know, my different kinds of Grant Morrison experiences. And the, one of the things is Marvel Knights did a, a Marvel Boy series a long time ago. And that was really the first time that I had started on a Grant Morrison book from scratch. And I, I was completely lost through most of it. it J.G. Jones did the art and the whole thing. So it was gorgeous. Um, and I remember just thinking, God, I, I really hate this as I'm reading it. And I got to the fourth issue and there was this idea in it. And it's just like in this, he has several places where he has these big ideas, the Frankenstein idea and the, the imagination machine idea, yep. which are like, wow, that's, that's an amazing idea. 
And like those little shafts of light can sometimes save the whole thing for me. Like I'm like, wow, that no, that's really neat, you know. And it didn't do it in this time. Whereas when I was reading the Marvel Boy thing, I got to the last issue and I just thought, you just blew my mind. And but it was in a good way. Right. And it just didn't coalesce in this. It was, I think it was too many balls in the air. Like it's it would be it's amazing to watch a man juggle this many balls, and they may have made sense, but I lost track of which ones. Right. So I didn't know. Right. I guess nice cover. <laughs> I got the, got the Superman cover. So yeah, very, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, and it, it's breaking the comics internet in half. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know if it's breaking it in half. It's not like there are two sides of it. I think it's just it's breaking it into many different pieces. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at Grant Morrison. I'm not either. I don't care. I mean, like this is Grant Morrison for me. This is exactly what I've come to expect. Right, and well, it's not a bad thing. Like you, you roll your dice. The, the, yeah, the whole, so thing, the, the whole thing with Grant Morrison is that I really think that they're. I mean, and this has been said before and talked about. And we, you know, we were talking about Grant Morrison a lot on iFanboy.com over the past couple of weeks. You know, there are kind of two kind of Grant Morrisons, and there are the there's this Grant Morrison doing superhero stuff, and there's Grant Morrison doing the other stuff. And aside from his run on JLA, I'm I'm kind of resigned to myself that I don't like his superhero stuff. You know, I'd rather I'd rather have the Wii threes of the world or the C guys of the world and things like that than. You know. I don't think it's that. I don't. I don't think it's that. It's not superhero. And otherwise, it's it's the way that he chooses to tell a story. Because the fact is, he's applied all those different styles to many things. He tries a lot of things. You know, yeah. Animal Man. You know, yeah, straight true. up, straight through. It's fine. He's experimental. The, Super, the, also, Superman's like that. It's, it's pretty straightforward right, as well. Right. The the filth. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, it's weird, but but you know, Doom Patrol was pretty straightforward. Yeah. You know, it was little flashes of weird. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's as separated as superhero stuff is this way, and other stuff is this way. Yeah. I, I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. But, well, well, I think it's safe to say the Final Crisis. When going back a year a year ago, when it was coming up, you know, between the art problems and everything, and and whatever's going on in DC editorial, it just basically, you know, didn't didn't deliver at least for me. <laughs> Well, at the same time, let's let's go over to the counterpart, the New Avengers over at Marvel, the, sort of the next part of Dark Reign, New Avengers number 49 by Brian Bendis and one of the Tans, Billy Tan. It doesn't matter which at this point. They're both not very good. I, I, I really, really loved the writing in this issue a yeah. lot. I thought it was fantastic. I, had, I loved Funny Cap. I had giant art problems with it, though. Yep. I'm trying to even remember what, but there was a couple of places where I was like, this just doesn't. This Some, isn't work. Something was something felt off about this for me, and it may, maybe it was the art. I'm not sure, but like coming off of Dark Avengers last week, I don't even know if I'm as as psyched about the writing as you are. Like I read this, and I'm like, oh, this isn't as good as Dark Avengers was. So it, it, it might have been the art kind of overshadowing it, though. I, well, I think well, it was the art because I really thought this was again like Dark Avengers. Like it felt old school New Avengers. It felt like the first year of New Avengers. It was fast. I mean, he, he stuff wrap, stuff was wrapped up in this issue that he just didn't last couple issues. Like he wrapped up the cage thing. This was yeah. quick moving. This was funny. This had characterization. It's just a matter of the art really was just distracting and that it was not good. Well, you know what's funny is that Connor, you just mentioned Funny Cap. Actually, that was the one thing to me that sort of stood i was like that doesn't sound like bucky to me like, yeah I, I loved it i uh, loved it though the, and then the other side of it being that you know the art in itself wasn't bad there's actually pages that are really nice the sniper page is really nice the page where he jumps out of the the build when luke cage jumps out of the building is really nice yeah. I, I like that but but like whatever the style guide the dude was using for captain america like i was like he just looks weird like yeah. it's not quite right and then clint looks like he just got out of a pool <laughs> his hair is all flat and get, like he just looks like a pinhead which i mean are just little things but yeah i, I you know overall I, I enjoyed this i liked the big choices i think i think like what you said like wrap up the baby thing good get that out of the way that's an, that's just going to be dragging everybody down get rid of it and it only really led to luke cage making a really interesting choice yeah, like you thought that he'd sold out. He was like, "Nah, he's just doing whatever he had to do to get his baby and, back." It's so funny because when he when, so when he turns on Osborne, so basically he gets to, uh, they get they get the baby back, and then his deal was that he was supposed to be one of the new Dark Avengers, and he comes down with a crowbar and just beats the crap out of everybody. It wasn't bails. a crowbar; it was the Wrecker's crowbar. It was the Wrecker's crowbar. Yeah. And the the one thing I thought was so funny was like Osborne just like was like, "Oh, so you're gonna go back on your word? So when your kid grows up and can say your dad's not honorable, or whatever?" I was just like, "No, like he's totally doing <laughs> the right thing," you know, like. <laughs> You're Osborne. I know, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Did, did you like the? I mean, did you like the ending? I mean, was was that very Hawkeye to the? You know, the Hawkeye. He, he loves that final page Hawkeye proclamation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny though is I guess it's weird with like other Captain America standing there, and I'm just like, he's doing your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to do that. 
But um, no, I, I like that. He's wearing the weird uniform still, I, so who can say? I did like the second to last panel, though, when he's you know getting ready for the big word of the Avengers. We take it back, and in the background, Mockingbird is putting on that stupid mask. I did see that. <laughs> I like that. Well, and, and exactly, that's like one of those intangible art things that's like, that's weird. Why would you do that yeah. thing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love how they all crowd around a giant TV and sit three feet from it. <laughs> that poor baby. I don't like you. <laughs> that poor baby. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> they're all in costume. Spider Man's still got his mask on. Wouldn't you take it off? You know, I'm just. No, they don't know who he is. They don't know who he is. Yeah. Don't? No. Oh, for identity. Not yeah. following that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. For me, my pick of the week was Savage Dragon number 144, which is quickly becoming the comeback book of the year, I think. Now that Eric Larson is kind of, uh, you know, bro- you know, no longer the publisher of Image Comics and is focusing on the book, his books come out like bi- like bi-monthly or bi-weekly at this point. Yeah, it's, like, it's still it's, January. It's a little early yeah. to call the comeback month. Well, no, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the, in the momentum that it's riding going into this year because what Larson's been doing has been he's been getting the, the story back on track. He's been wrapping stuff up and moving towards this new, um, I guess, the next issue in February, which is going to be the new, um, you know, the new paradigm where Savage Dragon becomes a cop again in Chicago and kind of going back to kind of its roots. But what was interesting about this issue was that you know, over the last few issues, as he's played catch up, he's been doing a lot of experimenting. I mean, like there was that a couple issues ago with the where they fought all those Golden Age heroes, and the coloring on the cover was different, things like that. This issue, he did an experiment, which is which kind of cracked me up, which I didn't realize what it was until about three or four pages in. But basically, this issue sums up 121 days of the Savage Dragon and all of, and all the characters around him and his family and everything. It's basically as if taking 121 days and fast-forwarding it on TiVo from one panel to the next where you're just seeing glimpse, glimpses of days. And, you know, some have action and they're fighting and some have, you know, lots of discussion and kind of moving stories. And some are just like, you know, wordless panels just showing like Savage Dragon playing soccer with his kids. And it, it was just really – it's the kind of thing where, you know, it, it, it's experimental and it's not, you know, it's not the normal kind of comic book, but, it, but Larson made it work. And it was just really kind of it was really kind of cool and interesting. Once I got it, once I understood what was going on, to see the story flow and basically catch us up from you know from in the book's continuity. I guess where the last issue was right around like September or so, and this basically catches us up to January. You know, and, and like subtle things as you know, like you know, randomly there's just a bunch of you know mundane kind of you know like Savage Dragon coming to terms with his relationships and raising his kids, and then you turn the page and there's a big you know it's him and Invincible and Spawn and Witchblade and Shadowhawk fighting somebody, and then. You know, the next panel is just him dealing with paying his bills, and then the next panel, him visiting the grave of his ex-wife. Like it just, it, the emotions and the level of action just varied from panel to panel. That there really was a flow to it. So I don't know it's just really, you know, really neat kind of you know experiment within comics, and then you know, and a, and a clever way to catch it, catch it up, and get it back to you know, back to current. Is the book in real time? Yeah, I mean, like, is it is it February first? Yeah, according according, according, according to Savage Dragon, I mean, according to Eric Larson, Savage Dragon is is meant to be in real time, and he's been playing with time because he's been so behind. In the in his little notes in the back of it, he's always said kind of where this fits in, hmm. and it's his idea to get it to the point. Like, there's one point in this story where, like earlier in the issue, it's him and his kids in front of the TV, and they're going, "Yay, Obama won." You know, like, so it's like he's tying it to, you know, and then you see the kids going their first day of school and then it snows and then there's Thanksgiving, you know, so he was trying to tie it into, you know, kind of real time to get it to the point where now in next issue, it looks like it's going to be February of 2009. That's when the book is. I don't read the book. So uh, he has kids. Do they have fins? Uh, one kid does. So he's got one finned kid and one unfinned yeah, kid. Yeah. The, the girl is not he's not her father. He's, he's his stepdaughter. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah. that makes sense. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just really cool to see how, like, you know, a book that, you know, a creator solely owns, solely can do whatever he wants with, similar to what, you know, All Red does with Madman, and just, you know, kind of play with the format and, and you know, kind of do whatever he wants. And so it's kind of cool. So I'm, I'm excited for the next issue. So anybody who wants to jump on a Savage Dragon, issue 145 next month would be a good point to jump on. Cool. We are bookending this, this little section with, with an Ennis, with another Ennis book. Well, Josh, on this week on iFanboy, you wrote, I follow writers. If a writer whom I like is on a book, I will definitely check that book out. So my question to you is, what did you think of Punisher Warzone? I don't know. I didn't buy it. <laughs> there's, there's acceptance to everything. I've read lots of Ennis Punisher. Mm, wasn't, you know, I don't really like Punisher. Don't stop. <laughs> you know what the other thing is? The first issue came out, I think, like a day or two after I saw the Punisher movie, and I was just in no mood. I'm just hearing excuses. Yeah, me too. Whatever. I just hear excuses. See, Connor's the kind of person, if you say something, 
and you don't follow it to the literal hey, letter. You make, I didn't make the proclamation. The you made the proclamation. Are you sure there wasn't a probably or a modifier in there? No, I just read it word for word. I just opened up the browser. What's even bad is that he's had it ready and waiting, Josh. Like, I know. Am I, to, am, I, am I supposed to feel bad? Am I less of a man now? <laughs> I'm just saying, you like Garthinus. So I, I would get. I don't read everything. He does a. He does that book over. He's that other book that's supposed to be like the weird twisted thing. I said check out. I know what his Punisher's like. I don't. I don't. Eh. Ron, anyway. are you reading this? Of course. I checked the, the cover twice during this issue to make sure it wasn't a Max book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It really. And I did it. I did it. And I turned the page and I did it again just in case I made a mistake the first time I checked the cover. Yeah. I was yeah, just like. I really think they did. For, for yeah. language, violence, or sexuality. Let me make for a guess. The pump, for the pumpkin on the guy's penis. Yep. <laughs> For, um, for the for the lesbian cop fighting in her underwear, yeah, <laughs> which That's then cool. became the front page of the paper and just got like that image, that one that. <laughs> that so Steve Dillon drew. So what happens? That Punisher and the lesbian cop from the last thing are, are trapped in a house, and the ma- mafia are coming to kill them. And at one point, the cops' clothes get lit on fire, and so you know Punisher rips them off. So she's just in a bra and her underwear, and they do their their last stand. And Steve Dillon drew a full page of Punisher standing with a shotgun. Cop on her knees in her bra and underwear sh- with two handguns shooting, and that image then becomes replicated on the cover of the paper, the newspaper, and it comes up like what, like three or four more times throughout the issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's just funny. I mean, this was a nice. You know, you worry about sequels. You worry about going home again. I mean, yeah. you know, you worry about these guys replicating. But I think they did a really good job of re- replicating the feel. And the, I mean, they just do a great Punisher. Dylan does a draws a great Punisher. Garth Ennis yeah. really knows Punisher, so it was just really fun miniseries. Yeah, this is the last, last issue. Yeah, yeah, just really, really fun. And this is the black humor Punisher. This isn't the Max Punisher. This is kind. It's kind of funny while it's also kind of brutal. Yeah, first first twelve issues of of Venice's Punisher Marvel Knights, right? I mean, yeah, like this is the, this is the Welcome Back Frank sequel. It features characters from that story, so this is elite, and, really surpri- yeah. really nice surprise. I felt, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. I, I I really liked it. I'm glad I bought it. You know, it was a six. It was a week. It wasn't a weekly. It was weekly for the first four, and then went bi-weekly after that. Right, yeah. So, I mean, so it, I felt like every week I was reading Punisher, so it was kind of cool to go back there. I don't know if I'd want them. I think six issues was good. You know, cause yeah, no, it was a ni- it was a nice little chunk. It was a good story. It was yeah. it didn't need to be any more than that. Yeah, it was funny. It was dark and a great great art and great writing. So yeah, if you skip this like Josh because of the movie, it'll come out in trade and you get that trade at InStockTrades.com. They'll have it for up to thirty seven percent off with free shipping for orders over fifty dollars and over fifty four hundred trade paperbacks that are in stock and available to order right now with new releases listed every Wednesday. And your orders usually ship within 48 hours from www.instocktrades.com. This week marked the end of, of the, I guess, the first arc. I guess they're not completely done of Terry Moore's Runaways with, with Humberto Ramos. Wow, do I, do I feel bad for bashing this on, uh, on the letter column last week? Really? Yeah, because so I guess like, I was last week in the letters column. I wrote something where I I basically complained about you know about Runaways and how while I love Terry Moore, this arc hasn't been very good and da da da. And then this issue rolled along and just punched me in the gut, and I was like, oh damn, that was good. Oh really? Yeah, I really like this. Because I really like this I resolution. finished it and I thought, God, that's really really familiar. What have I read? And it took me like two days to figure it out. It's the same ending as the Young Avengers. They switch. With the, oh, um, interesting! With the, I forgot the scroll, about that. <laughs> the scroll goes away, and I was like, "I, I was like, where? I've just read this oh. somewhere. It's the same ending, and it was driving me nuts." Oh, don't ruin it. No, I'm me. not saying. I'm in no way saying like he yeah. he ripped that off or anything. That's not the point. But like, I was just like, uh, yeah. "Editor needed to be on that somewhere." Uh, but the, um, the no, yeah, but okay. Well, I, I totally forgot about that. But just the way that he did it, Terry Moore is you know you know we love you know Strangers of Paradise and what he's doing on Echo and stuff like that. And whenever he's written other people's characters, it's always been a little different or a little weird. But this was able to combine like a big fight scene and characters that he hasn't created, but add that personal touch, that emotional touch to it. That just that you know made it really you know powerful and good. So that's why I liked it. I thought the fight ended really fast, and then they were all just standing around getting along. And I was, I was like, "Wait, what happened?" I, I, did, I didn't really. Well, I like that. Is that basically they're having a big, big fight in the air in Long Beach, and then a news helicopter gets in the way and almost crashes, and then both the team, you know, both the runaways and the te- the the aliens that they're fighting realize that okay, this is stupid. Let's just talk about it. Which you know, like like we 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 just almost harmed you know innocent people. We we can't do that. Which I thought was you know made sense. You know. Eh. Eh. I was meh. Oh, I liked it. But quickly to follow up on that, I was not eh, about Nova 21. <laughs> it was 
awesome about Nova 21. Awesome. <laughs> the end of the oh my god, the end of the last issue, you're like, oh crap, it's Ego the Living Planet. And then the beginning of this one, they're like, it is, but it ain't what you think. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 man, you know what I love about this is just the continual piling on. Yep. And that is what makes that's what makes these episodic comics like how much more can this dude take? Yep. And apparently not much. Fantastic ending to this. Twenty one issues down the line, like Stuff keeps changing and happening, and pressures keep mounting. And that's great. But it, like, it's stuff that had been happening all along with the world mind and the rebuilding of the core. And but uh, I, I don't trust the world mind. I don't think Nova's wrong here. I think we're, I think Nova's getting screwed. Well, that's funny because the, like that's the, the the standard narrative device here would be that you're here. Everything in the hero's world is upside down, and it seems like it doesn't make any sense. And normally, what would happen is you know like the the standard issue of what you would do in this kind of story is eventually you you show that he was right all along and, and you know people who doubted him were crazy right but I could see it not happening in this one yeah, yeah. <laughs> essentially what happens is that the world mind starts building up the Nova Corps again and Nova doesn't agree with it basically the world mind says listen you've been carrying the Nova Force for all this long it's making you crazy give it up that was set up though but like yeah. way back in Annihilation oh totally totally but I don't think I don't think Nova's crazy I think he's getting screwed I don't know. What is it funny if like the the next six issues is him in like some kind of mental rehab? Yeah. Well, it it ends with it ends with him getting <laughs> it ends with the with the world mind removing the Nova Force from from him and rejecting him as a centurion and just spitting him back on Long Island. Oh, and this yeah. Carlton Heston ending. Yeah. <laughs> you took it. You all took away. it all away. <laughs> Shouting up to the heavens. Yeah, oh, it was, it was great. It was really good. <sighs> cool. <laughs> oh, so good. Connor, you really dug the last proof issue. What did you think of this sort of middle of the between the story arcs issue? I always like the yeah. breather issues. It's a nice pacing device. It really lets you take in what happened and lets the, the characters take in what happened, lets you really get to know them more. And I really liked the sort of it was just basically the, all the characters sort of in a was it a banquet? What was this? Funeral. Funeral. Banquet. Well, they were all those. I opened. I have a page open with they're all eating food. I yeah, forgot what the with the, the wake. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of they they get to take stock of what happened and where they're going to move forward and, and and things have changed. And my favorite part of this is the the soothsaying. Was it, it's the it's the um what's it called the Jersey Beast? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, the little. He's my favorite part of this whole book. I don't <laughs> know why. I like his little proclamations. They're creepy. Oh, the Jersey. And they add, the Jersey add weight to it. Yeah, the Jersey Devil. Yeah. yeah. It was good though. Really, really strong. The book continues to be strong. It's great. Yeah, it was. And, it, it, and the it, ending has, has strong implications for what's going to happen. And... It does. No, it was, it was all. It was all sorts of good. I really liked this one. Uh, after sort of the very frenetic last storyline, I think that this was a really nice. It just it just pulled everything back together. It sets up the the relationship between Proof and um. What's her name? Uh, what's her name? The chick. I can't remember. Yeah. The girl who's the main person in Autumn? here. Autumn. No. No, no, not her. She's the bad one. Ginger. Ginger, yeah. Ginger. Like, and so they, they're, everything's the, the, the playing, the, ch- the chess pieces have been put back together, and it's a good time. And th- I'm guessing the next one would be a good place to start if you wanted to, to hop on and give it a yeah, shot. Yeah, I think, I think definitely, yeah. From an art standpoint, did you like all the bookending homage pieces? What do you mean the bookending one? I caught the one homage. Well, well the, the one in the front is, is after John Byrne. Oh, I didn't get that one. Yeah, well, it says up in the corner, Rossimo after Byrne. And then the one at the end is after is the Spider-Man Ramita uh, homage. That one's obvious. Yeah, yeah. which the is interesting. Which is interesting because the the issue was called uh, homage. So like that's that, that was a neat little play that he did. Perhaps there were more. I don't know. When I picked up Captain America forty six, I saw Epting's name on it, and I went, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> I picked up Captain America forty six. I saw that there were two covers, and one of them was the most gorgeous Human Torch cover I've ever seen. Um, really, I got the I name, got the name work cover. Yeah, I got yeah. the one. Yeah. I love that white cover with just the the one torch in the middle. Love the torch. Yeah. Can't remember his name to save my life. Uh, Bill this Everett. Is the episode where we can't Bill remember Everett. anybody's name. Bill Everett. Everett. No, Bill Everett was an artist. I mean, the 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 actual torch had a name. No, like I know. I'm pretty sure it's Everett. I'm pretty sure it's Everett. Jim something. I didn't notice a big strong reaction to this one, one way or the other. I really enjoyed this. Maybe it's because there was just so much sort of flashing back to stuff and and. And Jim Hammond. Those. Jim Hammond. Yeah, there you go. That's what Jim, it was. That's right. I like the long, the long-standing intrigue of this story and the, the idea of this Chinese scientist who started off one way and became another way. And finally, the idea of Bucky. I, I mean, it's really interesting, the idea of him going back and forth with what he did or what he didn't do or what he was responsible for, but he still remembers it all. And if I'm, I'm not correct, he put his Winter Soldier uniform on at the end, right? That's what was happening. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. I had to check that a couple times to make He's sure. He's going to fight this scientist as Winter Soldier, not as Captain America. I was down. 
I was down with it. There were some beautiful panels in this. My favorite one was the one when they're assaulting the docks and he's climbing up onto the dock. Mm-hmm. And you see, him, you see him through the legs of the soldiers. I yeah. loved that for some reason. I just thought it was, very, it was a very strong panel. Epting really adds a lot to this book. And I think a lot of the reason why you don't see a lot of reaction to it is because it's a long game book. Yeah, it it's is. Not ri- it's not written like Nova or other books where you, you, you have a flashy in a beginning and a flashy ending. It's, it's a long tale. Yeah, but it also had lots of nice moments. I thought that sure, all, sure. all the Namor stuff in this was top shelf. You know what I mean? It was just really, really neat because their relationship is so interesting. Because Namor's a dick, but he respects this guy, but he can't really admit it. And it's oh, good stuff. Good stuff indeed. So those are the comics that we enjoyed this week. But a whole bunch of other comics came out. And if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see the comics that are shipping every week, and you can pull them and add them to your pull list, and then you can come and rate them and review them. And we have a couple here from the iFanboy community that we wanted to highlight. And the first one comes from Coltrane68. Uh, it's talking about Fantastic Four, issue number 563, where he gives the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. And 0.5% of the iFanboy community made it their pick of the week. And Coltrane68 says, This book is several orders of magnitude away from the heart of the Marvel Universe, which might make some readers uncomfortable, as the FF has been so central to Marvel's history. Yet it clearly is not in its own quote-unquote pocket universe, as has been accused of the X-Men. Miller has created a nice balance in which the FF continue to develop as characters and their ongoing adventures have become an interesting narrative. I've been lukewarm on Fantastic Four Miller's run on it. I there are good points, there are some bad points. This issue, I just loved. It was great. I it was a really, really strong issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say it's a solid four, if not maybe five issue. It was just, it was just great. What's interesting, um, and I'm not, I don't want to veer into like Kevin Smith's territory. This issue is all about Ben Grimm gets engaged to his girlfriend he's been seeing in this, in this arc. I, that's something that's just never sat well with me. Oh, He's yeah. a man made out of stone. I mean, like, I understood with Alicia, it was poetic. She was blind, so it didn't matter what he looked like. You know, it was just about his, per- about his personality. But Full like this chick. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing you is, you know, she's like, she's like, she's like nuzzling him, and, and he's just, he's made out of stone. That's going to hurt. And the, the thing about it, there's is no that... amount of lubrication for that. <laughs> None. <laughs> None in the world going to cause abrasions. Yes, some I mean, it's just, detail. It's just it doesn't. It, that always takes me out of the story because it's like she's, there's one. I'm looking at the panel where she's like got her face nuzzled against him. She's holding. Yeah. He's made out of rock. You yeah. know, it's just like. It doesn't. Well, there, you know, I bought it with Alicia because she can't see him, and it doesn't make a difference what he looks like. But, but here, it's just kind of like a, it's not, it's not normal. You know? I mean, admittedly, it's not normal. There are toys. There are things that they can do. It doesn't, you know. But the like, thing, <laughs> I don't even just. But it's just like I think that's one of the inherent sadness. The great things about the thing is that he he is so removed from humanity, and yeah. that's one of the, the guilt trips that reads on. Yeah. But when you have him have a girlfriend and be in love and get engaged and everything seem normal, it kind of takes away from the fact his the tragedy of the thing. Well, it doesn't Maybe. really matter because she's either going to die or she's going to be a tool of doom. So yeah, it's not like he's going to be happy with her. Doom doom, doom, he does he does Doom great. In he this, does Doom excellent in this. Yeah, we're in a good Doom run right now. It is. Oh between yeah, this, between this and Dark Avengers and hopefully and, and Captain Britain. Um, good time for Doom. Templar checked in on Justice Society of America number 23, gave the story 4 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5. Clearly not a Jerry Ordway fan. This was a 0.81% pick of the week. And it's he says, first, don't freak out when I say this issue was a bit of a letdown. It was a letdown in the sense of that, say, I was hyping this to be Dark Knight and it was only Batman Begins. Excellent analogy. That was that I was expecting a million to get a million dollars and only got nine hundred fifty thousand. Knowing Jeff Johns as I do, anticipating Black Adam, I was pretty much expected. I expected this issue to cure cancer. What I got though was a very solid first issue of an arc and some interesting groundwork of where the JSA is going. This is his last arc, so it seems to be bringing the JSA back to where it started when he came on the book, mm-hmm. where he's he's pared the team way down. It's basically back to the core members. Yeah. All the ancillary guys have, have left. I like how they're talking about who to ki- who to kick out. Yeah, it's the reverse table scene. Yeah, we're sort of adding members. They're kicking them out, and then it's Black Adam. So it's kind of it's kind of like a nice circle, from from when he started. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Cool. Go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. Do your picks and write your reviews, and maybe we'll read it on the show. We want to thank Iverse Media for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. They're debuting their own new audio podcast called the Iverse Insider, and that's going to give you the latest news about their upcoming digital comics releases for the iPhone, iPod Touch, Google Android, and pretty soon a Windows and Mac uh, desktop application for reading their comics. What Iverse do is they offer uh, comics in, in different digital form for all of you who've been clamoring for that kind of thing. You can subscribe to the show for free at iversecomics.com. They're going to be doing creator interviews, they'll have secret betas you'll have access to, contests, all that stuff. Also, if you're going to the New York Comic Con next week, uh, Iverse will be giving away an iPod Touch at the show in association with Arden Entertainment to celebrate the 75th anniversary of Flash Gordon. So stop by the Arden booth, and that'll give you your chance to win. Also, 
iVerse is kicking in a $50 iTunes gift card for one lucky iFanboy member that we will be, uh, we will be drawing randomly in sometime in the next month. So there's another reason for you to go ahead and sign up. You can use that to, to purchase comics th- from them, digital comics, or whatever the hell else you want from the iTunes store. So, I got a really nifty proof number one from them on my iPhone. It's awesome. It's really it it's a very really nice well- application. Yeah. It's elegant. I, I further had to go back on a word where I said I don't think that I would like comics on my phone, and they proved that it could be done. It could be done well. You're not a man of your word. That's what I know. I'd be yeah. gunned down in the st- – I do not like men of You would not character. make it through the Wild West. Oh, Gene <laughs> Hackman and Unforgiven would have shot me. All it right. is roof leaks. Screw him. That is one of many reasons why you would have made it to the Wild West. <laughs> well. Email time. Logan Drysdale from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada says, The reason for my letter is about miniseries and events. I like a good story. No, I love a good story. And while I know I shouldn't get too hung up on it, I like a story that works somewhat into continuity. Final Crisis appears to fit in somewhere. I didn't follow it, but apparently so did Secret Invasion. Titles like All Star Superman are okay as long as it's established that it falls outside of your DCU. It's miniseries like Terror Titans, Reign in Hell, and Trinity that I'm really scratching my head about. I like buying them for the story. Am I just too impatient? Should I wait for the trades and save myself a ton of cash on these titles? Or am I missing anything that can wait three to six months? I've already told my local shop to stage an intervention, even if I think about pulling a new mini. But am I going to regret this decision with the majority of the series? He seems to be asking two different questions here. Basically, I think he likes to follow the minis because they follow the continuity of the events, but doesn't want to pay as much for them. I think it's wrestling with the concept of I want to know everything that's happening. Right. And, and so like what, you've got these big events like Final Crisis, and then they throw the Final Crisis banner on all these miniseries and all these other tie-in books. And it's just like there, there, there is whatever – I don't know what it is, but there's a natural inclination to want to know everything. And yes. And it's getting to the point where the ability to do that is impossible because of the price tag associated with that. And that's that's one thing about it. I mean, it's a price tag, but also it just, you're not, you can't know everything. And also, everything doesn't tie into each other. The problem is minis like that really are at their most useful or most enjoyable state if you're reading them along with everything else. Yeah. A lot of times after the fact, they have no context. And, you know, I hate to generalize, but for the most part, they're, they're not the greatest. You know, all those sort of fill inside things. So there are always exceptions. You know, there's a lot of them in Secret Invasion, for example. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of think if you're, if you're going to read them, you should probably read them while the thing's going on. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing is is that it's it's tough because usually if there's something that's really good that's going like for example like during Final Crisis like the Rogues Revenge miniseries was fantastic and you know hopefully at someone at your store you listen to the show or another podcast after we talked about it in the first issue then go back get the first issue and then start buying it you know what I mean like wait to hear what people think because while Rogues Revenge was great maybe I don't even know there there are tie-ins to Final Crisis I don't even know about because they weren't any good you know it's just also some, something to think asking. About. Asking your comic shop guy to stop you from buying something is probably not the best idea. Listen, I'm going to go Listen. to a restaurant. Waiter, don't let me eat. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's wrestling. But, but you know, when, when you're worried about how much money you're spending, you really got to pick and choose and, you know, go with creators you like, go with characters you like, and then, you know, say, you know, look on the Internet, look to see what people are talking about and see what you need to read. But you, you're not going to be able to read everything. It's just that you got to come to terms with that. All right. So if you have any questions about what you should buy and what you shouldn't buy, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. But for now, we want to play a little something for our friends at Funimation about the new Afro Samurai. Samuel L. Jackson returns in the sequel to the best-selling anime of 2007, Afro Samurai Resurrection. Afro Samurai avenged his father and found a life of peace, but a beautiful and deadly woman is forcing him back into the game. Starring Samuel L. Jackson and Lucy Liu with new beats from the RZA featuring two hours of extras. Get the Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. Afro Samurai Resurrection. One brother, one path, 1,000 deaths. Visit afrosamurai.com for more details. So that's Afro Samurai Resurrection that you can find at afrosamurai.com. It comes out on Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. Don't miss it, especially the beats from the RZA. I just love <laughs> saying the RZA. Even after these sponsors, we're just going to keep saying RZA every episode. I heard a fascinating interview with a RZA on Fresh Air once. Oh, interesting. Anyway, so on to the voicemail. Our first voicemail comes with a question about Jeff Johns. Hey, guys. This is Josh from Portland, Maine. I have a quick Jeff Johns question for you guys. You have been talking about how great his books are, and I, I'd like to read something by him, but I hardly read any DC. I read uh, Green Arrow, and that's about it. So I was wondering what's out, either in issues or trades, that would be a good starting point on any of the series he's on that you guys have been talking about, Superman, JSA, Green Lantern, because I would love to get into that stuff since you guys rave about it. Thanks. Don't you listen to our show! <laughs> 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 I think we talk about Jeff Johns like every, every week. <laughs> yeah, so. but maybe he 
he didn't think that any of those would be good starting points. At which point, by the way, if you hear a comic is good, buy it. <laughs> they're not so incomprehensible for the most part yeah. that you can't that you can't just just, just roll it. with that. Yeah. But that said, go get you know. Just recently, the Justice Society stuff is starting to be collected in trades, and the new Justice Society stuff, the old Justice Society stuff's out there. His run on the Flash, I always say, is fantastic. Green, green well, Lantern if, from all sorts of points. Yeah, I mean, Green Lantern, you can start with Secret Origins, you can start wherever. But if he yes. wants to get on issues, he can start the two books this year: Flash Rebirth yeah. and the Superman Origin series that he's doing. So you can start with those if you want to read Jeff Johns this year with issue ones. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to go back and buy trades. Yeah. So he's sort of rebooting those, and then is that all he has? Well, Green Lantern, you know, Black, you know, Blackest yeah. Night starting up. So, and then all the the action comic stuff. I mean, that's starting to get collected as well. I mean, p- pretty much, if you're curious about Jeff Johns, just find a character you like and buy one of the trades. He really yeah. writes in such a way that you can kind of start going at any point. Really, I mean, like yes. for the most part. Yep, agreed. So if you have any questions about where to jump on for that, any other creator, you can call and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Seriously, though, we need to mention Jeff Johns more on the show. Really? Well, it's clearly he's not getting enough ink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so as we mentioned at the top of the show, the New York Comic Con is coming. It is uh, – crap, it's next weekend. <laughs> that's, that's snuck up on us, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. We're very excited because we're going to be there as usual. It's our, in our hometown, our local con. So we'll be there covering it. Uh, we'll be working on a, doing interviews for our video show. But we're also going to be hosting a party on Saturday night. We are teaming up with our friends over at RaffleThing, 1UP.com, the video game folks, and uh, the folks behind the Popgun Anthology from Image Comics. So all of us, we, we kind of grouped up together, and we're throwing a big party on Saturday night. So it's Saturday, February 7th, starts at 7 p.m. and goes till 10 p.m., and it's going to be at Stitch Bar and Lounge, and that's at 247 West 37th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. It's only a few blocks away from the Javits Center, so it's, it's a, you know, once you finish up with the con on Saturday, head over to, to Stitch and get a couple of drinks. And what's great is that we're going to have a ton of special guests at this party, people who we've confirmed who will be there. Are Paul Cornell, writer of Captain Britain and the MI-13 and writer of Doctor Who and Robin Hood. Mike Norton, artist on Green Arrow, Black Canary. Our friend Tom Caters from Around Comics and Tom vs. the Flash. Jay Ferber from Dynamo 5 and Noble Causes. And a whole bunch of web comics folks uh, like Meredith Grand from Octopus Pie and Jonathan Rosenberg from Go- Goats and Brad Gugar from Evil Inc. and Scott, Scott, Kurtz Scott Kurtz from PvP. A whole bunch of other folks and Johnny Johnny from Tiki Bar is going to be there. Head over to ifanboy.com. There's going to be a red post on the homepage with all the information about the party. If you're in New York, if you're attending the con, please come. We want to hang out with you. We want to meet up with you. So please come to the official iFanboy meetup. We're excited for it. Spiraling out of control. It is spiraling out of control, but it's going to be fun. And, and, and there are going to be more people. We talked to a whole bunch of other creators, so you never know who's going to show up. You don't have to be a member to go to this party. Not at all. However, it's open to all. Please come. Enjoy yourself. But if you wanted to be a member and, and support all the stuff that iFanboy does, uh, the site, the podcasts, all, all that stuff, um, you can do that at ifanboy.com slash store, and you can find out about, about the memberships there. Uh, there's two levels of it, $4 a month or 40 a year, or $10 a month or 100 a year. Give what you think you can if you want to support the show, the stuff that we do. We are going to be sending stuff out to everybody who signs up for a membership. The higher-level memberships get free T-shirt, which we, which we uh, showed on the site, which is a black T-shirt that says iFanboy member on it. And then they'll be eligible for contests such as the, the – the Coraline contest that we talked about. Uh, will there be a big giveaway pack for that? You can. There's going to be a note here on the show notes. You can go take a look at that. And the uh, Iverse gift certificate, the iTunes gift certificate that we talked about earlier, that's for members only. And we also have the uh, the first limited edition shirt that we've been doing for iFanboy, which is available for sale right now, which is the uh, the Herm shirt, which may or may not be associated with a major uh, motion picture and or graphic novel. And um, and those Herm shirts have been flying off the shelves. So if you're, if you're doing a limited run of those, so if you want, if you really want it, go buy it before they run out. It's a, it's a very cool shirt uh, dedicated to one of our favorite characters in comic history. Um, so you can go check that out also at ifanboy.com slash store. And again, you know the membership's n- not mandatory, anything like that, but they help us keep this going and keep this going as, you know, it, it, all the cool stuff that you're used to and keep adding more stuff. And, and we do still very much need your help. Um, and we thank all the people who have kindly donated. We are trying our best to give back to you. And that can be found at ifanboy.com, which is where you can also read Josh's Pick of the Week review for Dear Billy Number 1. And you can get more in-depth comic book discussion, our daily writers, our just live blogging of all the fun TV shows that happen during the week, and all kinds of crazy things happening. If you like inane Grant Morrison arguments over and over again, you can go there and find us as well. Still going. <laughs> Still happening. In fact, someone just posted another comment. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite ugly. Oh, there's another one. So... <laughs> 
Go to ifanboy.com. That's where you'll find all that stuff. There is also going to be a video show that we do, of course, every single Wednesday. Um, you can find that at revision3.com slash ifanboy. You can watch it on our site. This last week, we did the crossover show talking about JLA Avengers and Spider-Man, Superman, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, Malcolm. And this next week, you can look forward to the Marvel Knights show. Where we talk about the, the change that was Marvel Knights and what that meant for the future of Marvel. Yes, and you can get iFanboy t-shirts, the original blue iFanboy t-shirt. You can get that at revision3.com slash store. You can also get iFanboy stickers, which is the logo on blue. So you can get those there at revision3.com store, as well as the shirts Josh talked about at the beginning. You can get those at iFanboy.com slash store. As we mentioned earlier in the show, if you have any questions for us, you can get us via email at contact.ifanboy.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. Any Questions, comments, you know, commentary, anything you anything you want to add to the show, let us know. We love to hear from you. And if you're leaving a voicemail, please keep it to thirty seconds and tell us who you are and where you're from. And Wee. if you, <laughs> if, Wee. Sorry. if you want to, god damn it, click click. I, I can uh, see the end. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So. I'm, I'm a, well, you know what? I'm actually pretty excited because I hadn't fallen apart yet. Yeah, and, and then it, is, and then it uh, happened. Yeah. I feel better <laughs> that it does. If it doesn't, I'm like, we gave them nothing. You can follow us around on the website, like the little stalkers that you are. Go to ifanboy.com slash about. You can find links to MySpace, ComicSpace, Facebook, Twitter, Verb. Does anyone use Verb anymore? No, I don't think so. I think we could probably drop that one off. Yeah, all right. So you can still go there. It's still there. I never <laughs> signed up. I had a feeling about that one. <laughs> Let's uh, go there and, and be part of that social networking stuff because of the show and the site. That's only part of the fun. And if you really like the show, you go to iTunes. You leave us a review. That's how people find the show in the Search for Comic Podcast. So it really helps us out. If you go there and do that for this show or for the video show, we'd be very appreciative. If, or even better than that is to go to your comic book store and tell your friends and the weird guy behind the counter who you make not sell you books, which is weird. <laughs> uh, tell him about the show. He might like it. Red you Tops, Red Tops. Listen, I don't want you to sell me any of this. I... <laughs> Red tops. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a heroin joke, everyone. So, so go tell the world about ifanboy.com. And it's them WMDs. Important, important note that if you are going to New York Comic Con and you use Twitter, go to Twitter, follow twitter.com slash ifanboy, and then we'll be posting from the, uh, from the con and our things we're seeing, things we're doing. So uh, Twitter's the best way to stay in touch with us, and you'll know when we're heading to the party and stuff like that. So twitter.com slash ifanboy is very good. I'd like to point out that every time you've mentioned the Convention, a siren has gone by, which has got to be really an omen of some kind. It's <laughs> got to be an omen of some kind. I would like to point out that none of us have any outstanding warrants, nor have any of us been arrested in the uh, process of recording this particular show. No, actually, I think I, I think I have a bench warrant in New York, actually, for a, pit, a parking ticket. Why do you think he moved? Yeah, <laughs> he drove the entire way across the country with the uh, with a boot on his tire. Took him forty seven days. Still hears it in sleep. <laughs> All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. Another con? Seriously? <laughs> oh, God. Start up now like fucking machine gun fire. Yeah.